We're glad you can be with us today as we come to God's word. Let's pray as we, we do that. Our Father, we thank you for your holy word. We pray that you would help us to drop our defenses to it and be ready to respond with faith and repentance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when I was a lecturer in a Bible college, I could usually tell when meeting first-year students which ones were really going to grow through their years of study, which students were going to be well-equipped by the end to go out into ministry. Do you know what characterized them? They were teachable. They were humble. They were those who believed they had much to learn. We might say that they came to college through the low door. What if the same was true at church? Is it not the same in a Christian community? If we were to put a survey out there, why are you at church, churchgoer? We might get some different answers, and some of these I've heard over the years. Well, I I try to do my bit to support the church. Or church is generally good for me and my family, and so we keep doing it. I'm reminded of good things at church. Well, it's an old habit, but I know it's good for me. Okay, but where's the space for the power of the Lord Jesus in that? Where's the humility in those kinds of answers that can be our answers that slip into our routines and into our our mindset. Where's the hunger? Where's the thirst? Where's the need for Jesus himself? The last verse in the passage we're going to look at here in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, leads us to ask a question, are you not instead the sick crying out for the doctor as you come to church? That's the low door the sick in need of a doctor. And that's what this text is all about. Blessed are we if we come to Jesus, come to church through the low door, teachable, receptive, prayerful, humble, hungry for God's word. It's not that complicated really, is it? But that is a Christian on fire. That's a Christian keeping in step with the Spirit. That's a Christian deeply enjoying the life Jesus offers. Last week in Mark chapter 1, we saw Jesus' credentials. He's God's chosen one. He's the Son of God in flesh. Amazing. And today's text helpfully teases that out, asking, yes, but who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? It's a great question for us to ask ourselves today. We'll see first, yes, Jesus can heal the sick, the end of chapter 1, and the beginning of chapter 2, yes, Jesus can even heal sick sinners. But the big question won't go away, who is Jesus to you, churchgoer? Who is Jesus to you? For me, I can be a busy pastor, a busy Christian, concerned about planning and communicating and preparing. I can be worried, I can dread things that are ahead. But if I walk with the Lord Jesus, if I can say, I will not be afraid, for you are with me, well, the sick is met by the doctor in my day-to-day life. I can enjoy what I would otherwise merely endure. The difference, you see, is Jesus himself in my life. 
my priest, the one who's merciful and powerful, approachable. Well, let's look at Jesus in the lives of others before we bring it more to ourselves. First, in chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, we see Jesus can heal the sick. Verse 40 reads, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. That's a desperate posture right there. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Great clarity, isn't it? Great posture. The trust in Jesus' supreme power is evident. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You have the power, Jesus, I know that, but will it benefit me? Do you want me to be clean? Yes, I do. And so that you and every sick person to follow you may know that I will ultimately heal my people. Verse 41. Jesus was stirred up, indignant, or another translation puts it, filled with compassion. The translation isn't certain on that verse, but Jesus' actions speak clearly enough for us in verse 41. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, straightway, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I love the order of things here. Jesus didn't heal the leper first and then touch a clean man. No. Jesus touches a leprous man before he heals him. Beautiful. Solidarity. He touches and then speaks words never forgotten by this man, no doubt. I am willing. Be clean. You see, Jesus strong is also Jesus kind. If you are willing, you can heal me. Jesus strong and kind. I'd love to have seen that with my own eyes, and I'd love to see it today in the lives of some of my Christian friends. I mean, reading of Jesus' incredible healings can cause most of us to easily rejoice in hope. But for others, it can raise questions. I trust in Jesus. Why do I keep suffering? What does Jesus have to do with my illnesses? A friend of mine lives with terrible pain after a spinal injury many years ago. And I asked him one day, well, how painful is it for you? He said if zero was no pain and ten was that I'd virtually die from the agony, most days and nights with great painkillers available to me, I'm around a six or a seven. Day and night. Day after day. Church service after church service for him. Month after month. Good Friday after Good Friday as it goes on year after year. But he lives with the hope of Easter Sunday after Easter Sunday year after year. He knows resurrection life has begun. His older brother has gone before him. Debilitating pain, yes, but he knows the Saviour strong and kind. In the Gospels, Jesus brings the world a glimpse of heaven's healing. The miracles are a breaking in of the future relief, the coming kingdom. Like light through, through cracks from a glorious home into our present darkness. 
Jesus says to doubting Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus might say to my suffering friend, blessed are those who have not yet been healed and yet believe. You trust in a strong and kind Jesus through tears of painful trusting anticipation. And what a great testimony that is to people like me, spared of some of that suffering. But by his wounds, we will be healed. Each of his friends, perfectly so. The curse of the world is broken, but not yet removed. The switched-on church, therefore, is a waiting church, awaiting people who chant the final words of the book of Revelation, Come, Lord Jesus. Is our church such a people? Lord, may it be so. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus has to skillfully manage the crowds and he has to manage his message. We might think of Lady Diana or Michael Jordan. Celebrities so popular that they can't function normally. They have to make it really inconvenient to be found, to be accessed. And so Jesus says in verse 44, don't tell this to anyone. But alas, people can't help themselves, verse 45. Instead, the healed man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. He came to preach the good news of the kingdom, but everyone, understandably, just wants to be near Jesus, strong and kind. And so our first point then, be assured Jesus can and he will heal the sick, ultimately heal the sick. But second, and even better, Jesus can and will heal sick sinners. Let's read from Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we're not Jewish leaders, I take it, none of us, but we still might find Jesus' words quite shocking. The man has come to be cured of his debilitating paralysis. Why does Jesus, strong and kind, not heal him as he did the man with leprosy? And the Jews had a bigger problem than that in verses 6 to 7. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. He's insulting God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, the skeptic might at this point say, if you were strong and kind, Jesus, you'd heal his legs. To which Jesus might reply, I'll do more than that. 
I'll restore this man not for decades, but forever. Your sins are forgiven. The wonder of forgiveness, Psalm 32, was delivered so personally that day, Mark chapter 2. The episode could have ended there, and the forgiven man on the mat carefully, uh, eternally richer as a result. Yet Jesus again wants us to be in no doubt that eternal forgiveness is his to give. Verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so to establish this, to establish the greatest healing through a lesser healing, verse 11, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. The huge crowd that day were not only looking at a healed man, no, they were looking at a forgiven man. A citizen of heaven with his mat now under his arms. We Christians, without the same your sins are forgiven direct encounter with a physical Jesus, are to have no less doubt that we too have been absolutely, personally, forever forgiven. Are you certain of that for yourselves? A man on death row called a dead man walking. And here we see a forgiven man walking. Today in our DPC gathering, we see forgiven souls zooming. DPC, Christ's spotless bride. We can feel today some of the amazement and the praise for Jesus with the crowds that we read of in verse 12. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Words that were true for them, no doubt, but are even truer for us. We have never seen anything like this. Not with our eyes, at least. No, but we see it by faith. Scripture's vision is the Christian's vision. Separated by time and place from Jesus of Galilee, walking on earth, yes, but never separated from the risen Lord Jesus, the great doctor of our souls, Jesus strong and kind to us. Don't you just love him? Don't you just want to praise him? As 1 Peter 1 says, though you've not seen him, you love him. Well, lastly, having witnessed Jesus do great things, Mark's gospel puts us in the hot seat ourselves now. As we work out what all this has to do with us, if we hadn't yet been confronted with that question and by our responsiveness to Jesus, what does Jesus strong and kind have to do with me and with us? It leads us to examine ourselves, a low-door approach to church and to Jesus or a high-door approach to Jesus. Do I need this Jesus to actually do anything for me? Our third point then, Jesus came for six sinners like us? Let's read from verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. 
And Levi got up and followed him. It's amazing, isn't it? No clear direction. Follow you where? He just gets up and follows. It seems, he seems to know enough about Jesus, as did Abraham following God, that if you trust God, you're free to move from a familiar home, from friends, from relatives, from a steady income, from old habits. Responsive people trust Jesus and take life from there, it seems. Christianity, as Paul would have it explained too, is a freeing movement. Keep your life free from various things. It's a command with a blessing built into it. Freedom. Well, the next thing you know, Levi's adventure with Jesus brings the wrong crowd into his own house. Other tax collectors, okay. But now, verse 15, we see it's many tax collectors and those society labels as sinners are filling his house. Here they are, all in his house, eating his food, drinking his wine, perhaps, and having a great time with Jesus, who, by the way, seems to be enjoying them even more. Those kinds of people seem to really love Jesus' company. Drawn by his magnetic strength and kindness. Not so the religious leaders, verse 16. They ask, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They are often repulsed by his magnetic strength and kindness. I remember getting pretty uncomfortable at a West Tigers game at Campbelltown Stadium with three of my young kids. I felt like blinkering their eyes and blocking their ears. There were no airs and graces in the crowd around us. Jesus seems interested, biased even, towards the company of those society thinks is beneath them. It leads us to ask again, who is this Jesus for? Is he for us? Who is Jesus to me? Well, verse 17, on hearing that question, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Just as we might expect more sick people at the doctor's surgery than at the gym. So too we might find more people aware of their spiritual poverty in churches than out of them. Let's be those people. And it raises a question too. How do we connect Jesus strong and kind with the sick and the sinners in our time and place? Dremoyne and Canada Bay the city we live in. What a great challenge that is for us. Do the hundreds of retirees in Dremoyne know that we are the portal to God's healing, God's great companionship for the lonely? Do the apartments full of people know we hold the key to life that is truly life? Are there parents we know who are secretly despairing of hope? and would come to Jesus if they heard his name from our lips. The desire of our vision team in our church was to have more and more connections, meaningful connections with our community, in our homes, in our gatherings, in seminars that address their needs, in buildings that are more purpose-built for welcoming young and old on site. And one effect of this present COVID lockdown may be that it makes us all the more determined 
to be ready to share our lives with those around us as soon as we can, besides the opportunities we now have, to our lost neighbours, workmates, relatives, sharing meals and lives meaningfully with people. May we be a church desiring to grow by holding out Jesus strong and kind to a world who needs him. One of my most precious memories of church, it would be in my highlights reel of church life, is sitting in McDonald's with a mixed group of kids from a pretty rough, a tough area of Sydney when I was a young youth leader. And I looked around the group that night and I thought, where else but in a Christian group do you get this warm affection and acceptance of such a diverse group? The cool kids and the obviously uncool kids and even a blind kid was there. The blind kid was such a blessing to our church. He had our hearts. Born into a housing commission family, he showed many signs of struggle in his life and family breakdown. But he was growing to love Jesus in this youth group, in this gathering, in this church. He was always living in a physical darkness. He was always limited by the opportunities people in his home and his life gave him. And so he needed, he really needed, loving people. One of the cooler, sporty kids in the church, in the youth group, taught him how to play the drums. And he began playing drums for us at church regularly. Ashley and I had the privilege of visiting his home and taking a Colin Buchanan CD to him to listen to in his darkness. His favourite song on the album was Psalm 75 verse 1, the simple song. We give thanks to you, O Lord. We give thanks to you. He memorised that verse and he asked if he could please sing it at the front of the church, which he did one evening with a great smile. How good you are, Lord Jesus, for bringing your eternal light and eternal healing into this precious human's life. May you do it again, Lord, again and again through us. Jesus, strong and kind, make us a strong and kind church. Jesus, strong and kind, embolden us to present you to our world. Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing Jesus Strong and Kind, and that's going to be available on the YouTube playlist. If you're not familiar with it, you might just like to listen to it as an album, uh, but it's a great song to sing along to. So I'll leave that for you.